Amen. Why don't you take a seat? Welcome to church, everyone. It's great to be in the place here with you and to worship Him. Wonderful time. And thank you, worship team, for a beautiful uh, time of allowing us to just sing our lungs out to Jesus. Amen. It's fantastic. Well, I hope you're having a good day already because I believe God is on the move and I think God wants to bless you today. I think it's great. And a couple of things I want you to know about. First thing is forever free. It's like a summer camp for our young people on steroids. It is alive and active like the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword forever free is. And parents, I want you to know something. I have seen the biggest transformations in my kids are things like Forever Free. Every year, I just get amazed at what God does. And I go back to when Jesse was just a, a little tyke, around 12, 13 years old, and he went off to a camp, and um, the Holy Spirit just transformed him. Same with Judah, same with Elijah, same with Solomon, same with Charlie. I saw transformation in their lives. And it wasn't because dad was really cool, because he's not. It's because God is really awesome. And he loves them more than you love them. And he wants to come and be part of their life in such an incredible way. So I wanna encourage every parent. I think the early birds is still open. Yeah, it's still open, got thumbs up. Oh, why don't you sign up? We know that you know Christmas time gets a bit busy, especially financially. And um, why don't you get your, why don't you buy the kids Christmas present now? And it's a ticket to Forever Free. Get you off the list. And um, I just want to encourage you to get to that. Cool. Also, next week is Father's Day. You sort of got to say that with a bit of a raw Father's Day. And um, I look forward to Father's Day. We are going to be putting on egg and bacon rolls here because that's what you do on Father's Day to come along. So dads, you don't need breakfast in bed. Kids, you don't even have to make it. You just need to get them out of bed. You know, polish their shoes if you still do that and get them here. And um, it's gonna be great. Come along. I feel like I've got a real word for our dads. And um, I, I feel like it's in this era in which we live, the more we honour the Institute of Fatherhood, the better. And I think there's a new generation of fathers rising up and um, let's, let's see and support them as they raise up. Amen? So that will be next week. It's going to be great. Cool? Okay, well, today is Frontiers Sunday. We like to do this every month. Frontiers is down the road and around the globe. Okay? That's what Frontiers is. Everything outside of our world. And there's Frontiers everywhere for the church to be part of and to look into and to go into and to see change. So we've actually put together a video. Why don't you watch the screen? A little bit of a video of half of my trip.
Well, there it is. Our three churches in Cambodia doing amazing work and uh, what an incredible team. Uh, Udon and the team are really fired up and full of vision and uh, we had a great time just talking about the things of God, the kingdom, encouraging one another and dreaming about what God wants to do in Cambodia. You know, uh, Setla, Trinian and uh, Hannah have taken upon themselves to actually reach into a local community just across the river from Kapung Cham uh, it's a Muslim community and so many of these young people are wanting to be part of what we're doing. Some are coming to Christ and Uton believes we'll be planting another church in that village very shortly. So exciting. You know, it wasn't long ago that um, Pol Pot uh, came through Cambodia and uh, basically killed so many people, demoralized that nation and just took its soul from it. And uh, there's still effects of that being felt right now. But we're seeing a generation rise up and I believe this generation is bringing healing. I believe this generation is bringing hope and um, I feel it's part of the church's job just to bring restoration through the power of the Holy Spirit and that's what's happening in our church. Oh, it's so amazing. Church, next year we want to send two teams across there and uh, if you want to be part of that, why don't you start praying and saving of course and I believe we'll see great things happen as a result of what's happening in Cambodia. Thank you so much. Church, this is what we support through prayer, through our financial giving, through just mentoring. We are seeing so much good stuff happen. God bless you and thank you. Yeah, lovely time and uh, it's okay, mate. Cool, mate. Lovely time over there and um, I just wish you could all come to be part of what God is doing over there. It's phenomenal. And um, there's such a vibe there amongst uh, the three churches and uh, that, the two village churches we went to was actually on a Monday, so a lot of the churches weren't there, they were out working. But um, it was uh, incredible to see the passion they have. And um, it was a great opportunity also just to speak faith and to just speak hope and encourage the church. It was amazing. And um, what we wanna show you next month when we have Frontiers is about our Strong Village project, which we're working on over there with Jen and Minset are heading up and um, great singing, by the way, Minset. Soulful singing there, my brother. Awesome. And um, I want to let you know a bit more about that. We're, we're seeing beehives put in some of the villages there. The whole idea there is that these people will be able to generate an income out of the honey. We're looking at a way in which they could sustain it because some of these families are the poorest of poor. And, um, but yet they're, they're happy. 
There's a real joy amongst them. And uh, we wanna see their kids looked after. We wanna see their kids educated. And um, if there's health needs, we wanna help with that. If there's um, any other needs in that village, like you saw there, a water pump in one of the villages, that's what Strong Village does, is put that water pump in that village because of our giving and our support of that. And you're gonna be finding out a lot more about that next month. It's exciting, amen? Amen. And if you think, do you know what? I'd love to go there. There's no age limit on this one, Barb. There's no age limit. Okay, just letting you know. And um, we want to send a team around about April, we think, around about that time, around Easter time, and around about either now or September-ish, October-ish. And uh, strategic teams who are going to go over there and just bless the church and Cambodia. You know, I even began to tear up again then just thinking about Pol Pot and the genocide that happened in our lifetime, in many of our lifetimes, about 45 years ago, went through and just decimated a country. Decimated, and they're still reeling from it. But there's hope. There's hope because there's a church who said, let's do something about this. Let's raise a generation that'll change a nation. And that's what we're seeing happen. And we've got a great team over there. Amen? Can you continue to pray? And at the end of this message, I just wanna take up an offering. And it's not going all to Cambodia, it's going towards our Frontiers Fund. We do a lot more. We do it from down the road to around the globe, everything we do. And um, so uh, if you're not prepared for that, we've, all got, we've got online giving, we're gonna be able to do that. Or we can give any week, actually. Just label it Frontiers and it goes towards this sort of stuff. Amen? Well, I'm in week five of a series I'm calling Come Out of the Corner. And it was an imagery I got um, as a result of the end of covid the pandemic, this worldwide pandemic that went around the world, locked up half the world. And um, I've got an image of the church in the corner of a boxing ring, getting pounded by an enemy, that is principalities, power, spiritual enemy, who just wants to keep the church in the corner, wants to keep it down, maybe even on its knees, so that it doesn't do anything. And in a boxing match, if you want to stop them from fighting, you get them in the corner. That's what you do and you just keep them in the corner. And I felt God say to me, it's time for the church to come out of the corner. Now I figure it this way, if you're gonna get a beating, you might as well get it in the middle of the ring, right? But the thing is we have a God who has already won the victory and there's no need for us to be in the corner. He does the fighting for us. We've just got to get out of the corner. And um, I've been speaking about that. And last week I talked about one of the most important things I think is simply don't serve any other gods but God. Don't have any other gods above him. In fact, the whole 10 commandments begins with that one passage in Exodus chapter 20, that one thought, you shall have no other gods besides me. You know what? We have a world, a spirit of this world that wants to take God off that pedestal in your life. If he can take God out of that number one spot in your life above everything, everything, if, he, if the spirit of this world can do that, you know what, we were born to worship, we'll worship something else. We are actually made, we are created to worship. There's no doubt about that. And if God is not in that pedestal, there will be something else. It will be, he will be replaced by maybe a career, maybe a football team. Let's face it, there's a really good football team not far from here, could easily be a God. Not a, not a blue and yellow one either, mate, sorry. But my point is this, if we keep God at that number one pedestal, as a church, as Christians, as believers, we are able to make an effect in our community because God is with us. The minute we take him out of that, he's not really God. He's a God, not the God. Now I shared about that. 
Well, today, I want to actually continue on with that with another um, thought about that same concept. You see, Jesus was asked once about those commandments. He said, what's the greatest one? You know, we'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 22, uh, verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. The Sadducees, Pharisees, they're both religious orders, right? Verse 35, one of them, an expert of the law, the, the biblical law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength, all your mind. In other words, that first commandment. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then he continues. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He goes and creates a new commandment right there because that's not one of the top 10. This is 1.1. If anything, it's one equal to one. Verse 40. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Jesus just changed the whole game. He came to fulfill the, all the law the Ten Commandments. He took the have to out of Christianity and put the want to in our hearts. That's really what he did, right? But here he says actually something new. He says, but I'm gonna add to that something that's just as important at making God number one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. He makes his new commandment and he says, this is so important. Well, today's subtitle, if you like, is love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor is so important. So important. In Luke's account of this story, he actually um, looks at it and he responds to the, well, sorry, one of the guys says, tries to justify himself saying, so who is my neighbor? The guy who lives next door, that's how we like to think about it, right? Or maybe two or three steps up, you know? No, 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 Jesus actually answers by telling a story of a guy who came into hardship. In fact, robbers grabbed him, beat him up, tossed him in a ditch, made him naked, beat him to a pulp, took everything he owned and left him there to die. But then this priest came along, saw that guy, but crossed the road and walked around him. Then a Levite came around. He's, bit not, you know, he's not high up as a priest, he's more of a, just a follower of Christ, loving, devoted to Christ, devoted to God, sorry. He saw the guy in the ditch and he also crossed the road and walked around and kept on his way. But then a Samaritan came along and the Samaritan, you gotta understand, in those days, talking to a bunch of Jews, the Samaritans are the ones they don't like. They're the lowest of low. They're the filth of society, right? In the minds of the people who are hearing this. The Samaritan comes along and notices the guy in the ditch, gets down in the ditch, picks him up, mends his wound, gives him something to eat and drink, clothes the guy, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, pays some money to say, look after this guy, I'll real return, goes away, comes back and gives him more. And Jesus says, who was the neighbor in this situation? Who was the neighbor? In fact, it says in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Who's my neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's my neighbor? Anyone who needs it. Anyone who needs you right now, they're your neighbor. Notice he didn't say serve your neighbor. 
He said, love them. In fact, I wanna state something today. If you're gonna come out of the corner in for a, a journey of fighting for the good cause, if you like, don't even bother if you don't love them. Don't even try it, because you'll fall short. You won't stay there, you won't complete the mission. Love is such an important thing that we should have in our lives as Christians. Yes, of course we love God, absolutely. Sometimes you might not feel it, but you know, it's there and you, you just choose to love every day even though you don't feel it. But do we love our neighbours as ourselves? Do we love the people who might not be our best mates? They could actually be hard to love. In fact, they could be downright terrible people. Remember, the Samaritan who was the despised of all would have known that the guy in the ditch being a Jew hated him. But he did it anyway. Today, I wanna challenge us. Not only just loving God, putting God number one, but to be Christians who actually love people all the time who actually decide, do you know what? I'm gonna be actively loving people today even if they don't deserve it. In the Western world, we sort of wait for people to deserve it, don't we? That's not the way Jesus thinks. He doesn't think that way at all. He just says the way a Christian, way my followers should think, go and do likewise. If someone needs something, we get it for them. If someone needs healing, we help them with that. If someone needs a ride on a donkey, that's what we do. That's what the good neighbor does. You know, to reach a lost world, it requires a church, but it really requires a church empowered by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's no doubts about that. You can't just be nice to people and good to people and hopefully you're gonna reach the world. You can't. It hasn't happened in the past and it won't happen in the future. The only thing it'll do is the power of the Holy Spirit through your life. He has empowered us. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you'll be my witnesses in the world, right? The Holy Spirit is the one who's with us, right? And let's look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12. Paul actually talks about a lot of those gifts. Read through them. A lot of Christians actually get stuck in this. They like to look at the gifts. Well, which gift am I? Which gift am I? Which gift am I? Um, one thing I wanna say about those gifts, I don't think it's a conclusive list. I don't think you can have a conclusive list for God. He's the creator and he can create as many gifts as he wants. And two, I don't think it's about us saying which gift am I, I should be that gift and not do any of the others. I think we wanna represent Jesus on earth. We should be looking for all those gifts in our life. Some might come more naturally. But right at the end, he says this in the very last verse of chapter 12. Now eagerly desire the greatest gifts. Okay, desire them. He's talking to a church. Desire these gifts in your life. That the Holy Spirit will work these through your life. Then he says, yet, I will show you a more excellent way. Wow, great. And then the chapter ends. There's nothing else there. You go, what? Then you realize when they wrote this letter, there were no chapters. They were put in later. There were no verses. So let's look at what he says is the more excellent way of using the gifts to help a world, okay? If I speak, this is 1 Corinthians 13 verses one down. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. Boy, that'd be cool. And if I have the faith that can move mountains, wow, that would be awesome, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, again, I am nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, nor is it self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's more than a wedding scripture. When you realise what Paul is trying to communicate here, there are gifts that God's given you, use them, but if there is no love, don't even bother. You're wasting your time. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, just this trip to Cambodia, I would label as my, I've been on several missions trips. Australia, but many overseas as well. And I've never seen, I've been so fulfilled in what I've had in this last trip. And we're only in Cambodia, what, seven days? And I've, I've thought, what is it about this trip? What is it? I've got to tell you, I don't mind telling you, I fell in love. Even then, I was teared up just watching that video. I fell in love with these people. Mai and her husband, Bray, at, at Maymont, just wonderful people. But Ben's tearing up now. <laughs> you sook. <laughs> Beautiful people. And when you realise how hard they've had life and they just want to love God, and I, my heart just goes out to them. I see all these young people. These incredible young kids from Jairo, this, this place, it's a Muslim village, and they're just loving being in church. And it's so funny, everyone's lifting their hands, they, they look around. <laughs> this love that, I, the moment I, I saw them, the moment I spent time with their team, Sedla, Shreinian, Hannah, Utom, just these lovely people, this love. And I feel like God just showed me something about them. And what I found on that trip was, I felt the Holy Spirit gifts within me easy to use. I couldn't stop prophesying over them. I'd sit down, <laughs> English is a bit of, you know, language is a bit of a blockage sometimes when you're trying to prophesy. It takes a bit longer. But I'd sit down and have dinner with the team and all of a sudden I've just got to share this with Hannah. Begin to speak, and they would respond with faith. And, and Utom, I'd sit down with Utom and just have a coffee, and we did it a few times, didn't we? So, didn't we? And, um, and I'd just begin to talk to him about ministry, and the, I feel the Holy Spirit kick in and just begin, and it was so easy. And he even with tears in his eyes would say, wow, you've inc that's increased my faith. It was so easy. Why? Because I love them. Genuine love. Can't help, you know, like I can't wait to get back there. I think I'm gonna have to put my seat on the bus to someone else next year, but I'm sort of hoping they'll get COVID so I can go. <laughs> Joking. It was just so easy, what was it? I fell in love with them. And it wasn't just because I'm Pastor Rig. No, 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 no. You just see them, watching them play soccer, <laughs> crazy. Can I just let you in on something? The Muslim brought their soccer team, which was really cool. And um, 
because after church, they all go down the soccer field and our, our team, I think there's four male teams and four female teams, I think, in, the, in, in our church. And um, Strong Nation Church uh, soccer team, they call it. And um, so they play this game, but Utom gave our boys that the Muslims win. <laughs> so they played four games and our guys, I didn't realise this, our guys threw the game. So the Muslim boys. Anyway, you see one of the photos there, all the Muslim boys are in the back of the, in the, back of the ute going like this. They won four games straight. Yeah, you did, buddy. Yeah, you did. It's amazing the love they saw between each other at that. It was just incredible to watch. But the point I'm making is it was so easy to minister there. It was so easy for Holy Spirit to use my life in that time. Why? It wasn't because I'm cool. You know I'm not. It wasn't because I was spiritually switched on or prayed and fasted. No, no, no. It was simply because I loved. Loved. And I think that's what Paul's saying here. Yeah. I'll show you a more excellent way. Yes, you can use your gifts. Yeah, by all means. If you're a prophet, prophesy. But I'll show you a more excellent way. Just love them. Yeah. Yeah. Notice it says there, even if I give all I have to the poor, but have not love it, it's really nothing. You know what? I want us to give a lot to the frontiers of our worlds if that's what they need. But first we must love. Amen? So a question. When you think about your community, when you think about the community in which we are situated, when you think about Cambodia or any other place God puts on your heart, my question to you today is, do you love them? Or is there just a responsibility or a duty that we have to perform? Church, we can't be a dutiful church. We have to be a loving church. And that love must generate through a decision. Love is a decision. It comes out of a decision I make and then let God take it and move with it. Powerful. You see, the reason why is I think love helps you go further. Love will make you do things you can't naturally do. You will go beyond your limits. I am forever amazed at what my wife does for her grandkids. Oh my goodness. There's these little rollabout car things multiplying on the back of my deck at the moment. There's four of them. On Marketplace, all these people, kids are getting too big for them now and they're selling them and they just keep multiplying. On the, on, it's a parking lot. I'm amazed at what she will do. Why? Because she's just besotted with them. I love them. I'm not going to buy them a car. I'll get them a beehive instead. <laughs> right, Jeffrey? You know, I was thinking about it. Bees are the perfect pet. They really are. They're furry little creatures. And they give. They don't take. I don't even feed them. It's just really good. Cats, on the other hand. Oh, my goodness. See, love makes you go beyond your natural desires. It makes you go beyond your natural limitations. Love will drive you further. Ever seen a young man besotted with a young girl? He just changes. He does things you couldn't get him out of bed. Now he's out early in the morning washing the car because the car's got to be clean for her. Love will take you further than you think you can go. Second thing I noticed about it is this. Love is felt by those who need it much more than what you do. Love is felt on the recipient. 
remember years ago running a youth ministry and there was this young guy, he's a bit of a rat, to tell you the truth, named Matthew. He's a bit of a rat, didn't behave himself that well, a bit of a rebel. Love him anyway. He used to come along, but he did something once which he stepped over a big line. I had to call him in and say, buddy, mate, we've got to talk about this. And I sort of gave him a bit of a hard time. And, um, and I'll never forget his tearing up, tears just dropping down his cheeks. He looked up at me and I said, you all right? He says, but do you still love me? Ugh. Rick, I'm sorry, but do you still love me? Absolutely I do, man. All he wanted to feel was oh, he was loved. That's all he wanted to feel. He didn't want to know whether I was pleased with what he did because he knew that I wasn't. I had to bring correction. The reason I brought correction is because I loved him. You do realize the opposite of love is not hate. The world would like to think it is, but it's not. Hate and love are associated. You hate something because you love. Yeah? The opposite to love is indifference. I don't care. That's the opposite to love. The opposite to love is, yeah, nah, it's all right. That's the opposite. And if that young Matthew did what he did, and I just said, well, you know what, it doesn't really matter. I don't love him. Because you would grow up on a, a tangent or on a, on a trajectory which would lead him to destruction. But I had to address it. And yes, buddy, of course I love you. You just want to know that. Love is felt by the recipient much more than what you do for them. The other thing I realized too is love sets up generations. It it, it goes beyond generations. Love is felt all the time. You know, I I feel the love of my great-grandmother and I never even met her. Just last week, I went to a type of reunion type thing. I heard a little bit more about her. And I thought, wow, her love has gotten through to me. There's this really, really cool scene. I think I'm the number one chosen fan <laughs> in the world. I've watched it several times. But there's this incredible scene that I keep going back to and watching. Season two, episode one. I'm going to spoil it, okay? So spoiler alert, get ready. They've just gone to the Samaritan at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, last episode of last season. And she goes off into town to tell everybody about the Messiah who she's found and she told her everything about her life. And, uh, and so season two starts with Jesus and his disciples in Samaria. Remember, Jews and Samaritans just don't get on. A bit like Parramatta and Penrith fans. They just don't get on. And... Um, What you see is James and John, the disciples, plowing a field. And they're plowing it away. And this part's not in the Bible, but it's plausible. They're they're, they're plowing the field and they're saying, well, I wonder why Jesus got us doing this. Why has he asked us to do this? Maybe it's so travelers can have something to eat on their way through. You know, noble. They're being very diligent. They're dutiful in doing what they're doing. They plow the field and do a great job. Found out later that it was this poor guy called Selick who... Um, had broken his leg. In fact, there's a bit of, bit of license from the chosen. He was the guy who beat the guy up who the Good Samaritan came along and helped. They joined the stories there. It's a good bit of license there. He'd broken leg. He wasn't a nice guy. But they did the field. And James and John are going, what? We hate Samaritans and we did that for him? Oh. Even through the whole show, you see John and, and James saying, we've got to get out of here. There's too many Samaritans here, you know. Then there's one stage where Jesus is out praying and they come and meet with Jesus and 
And these Samaritans go past and give Jesus a terrible greeting by throwing rocks at him and spitting at him. James and John get riled up. Jesus, let's go get them. Let's call down fire. You said we could do Call down fire and burn them up. Jesus goes, really? Remember, Jesus calls them sons of thunder. This is why, because they wanted to burn people up. And he turns around and says, don't you get it? Why do you think I got you to, to Malachi's name? Why did you think I got you to plow Malik's field? Because we are sowing seeds for generations. We're gonna change a whole community because we love them. It's a beautiful scene. You're gonna go home and watch it now, homework? Can't show it on here because it'll get cut off live feed, so can't do it. It's a great scene. Maybe we'll find a way of showing it here one day as a whole movie. But I looked at that and I thought, it is so true. What you do through love affects so much more than just the recipient of it. It goes on and it's sowing seeds, seeds within our church, but also seeds without in the frontier in which you sow it. It goes on for generations. It could break open a generation. I think about what we could do in Cambodia because we love them and this oppressed generation from 45 years ago who think they're dumb but they're not, they're so intelligent. They're incredibly creative. But they don't think that because all the smart people got killed, right? If you wore glasses, you got killed by Pol Pot. That's the generation. Went to the Genocide Museum and I'll never go there again, it's just so terrible. Now we've got a generation who are receiving gifts from a church who loves them. This is just a microorganism right now they're beginning to realize that they're chosen of God and they're so creative and smart that the smart is in them, the gifts of God is in them and they're incredible and they're really good soccer players too. Generations will break open. We're not playing for now. We're not trying to fill a house. We're not trying to fill a room for a church. We're not, hey, we've got a big church. That's not what we're doing. We're raising generations. We're helping Uttam and the team and Minset and the team. All the team there have a heart for this and we're gonna say, go for it, guys and girls, go for it. Why? Because we love them and we're gonna see seeds sown for generations. I can't wait to see their kids. I can't wait to see them. And Shreet Nian, Hannah, Setla, early 20s, I think they're all in. I can't wait for them to have kids. And they raise up in this amazing family that loves them and, and, and a church has helped, but the gospel of God lives amongst them. Yes. Wow. Maybe, just maybe, we can see an entire generation changed. That's why we do it. Why? Because we love them. Revelation chapter two. I always vowed I'd never speak out of Revelation, but I'm going to do it. Ooh. Revelation chapter two, Jesus is addressing churches. There's seven churches that he addresses. He says, John, write this down. And we get to Revelation chapter two, verse one. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write this. The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, that's Jesus, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. That represents the seven churches. I know your works, Ephesus church, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear those with those who are evil, 
but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. Good church. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. They're a good church. And you have not grown weary. They're not worn out. They're not burnt out. They're, they're, they're going strong. Verse four. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Huh. Verse five. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. But they are a good church. They're doing good. They're not even getting weary. But they've fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Ouch! Think about it. They're a good church. I reckon their worship would have been awesome. I reckon they would have had great fellowship. I reckon they would have, they didn't, you know, they didn't bear bad people like the, the evil who wanted to do evil. They didn't tolerate that. Anyone who came in as a false, false apostle, they said, no, you're fake. We've, we've, we've discerned that. They did it all. But yet Jesus is saying, you've left your first love behind. What was that? I wonder what it was. What was their first love? Could it have been to worship? I don't know. I don't think it would have been. Because I reckon they would have still been doing that. What was it? Well, we can find out, I think. And I want to take... I want to give you my take on this. Acts chapter 19, we find Paul has left Corinth and he's heading up towards Ephesus into Turkey, modern day Turkey, right, from Greece. And he finds 12 disciples. He says to them, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He laid hands on them, they began to speak in tongues, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And then we pick it up in verse eight. And he entered the synagogue, Paul entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. Cool name. Verse 10. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Interesting. Here they had some opposition. In fact, if you read church history, they had huge opposition. They wanted to kill Paul because he said those silver statues are not real gods and the silversmith got really upset because there was his income gone, you know. They wanted to kill him. So he withdrew with these 12 disciples and taught them, reasoned the scriptures with them for the next two years. And it says there, and all of Asia Minor was reached. Could it be that was their first love? Could it be that Asia was, they thought, do you know what? We've got to, we've got to let Asia know about this. We've got to do whatever we can. To, to, to reach out so that they would know that God loves them, that they sent Jesus and Jews and Gentiles, that all of them can come into the kingdom. And they did. In two years, all of Asia Minor was reached. That's huge. It's massive. I was talking to Dr. Adam White about this just uh, yesterday, uh, Friday. He says, well, do you know those seven churches, Rick? Where did they come from? Well, we know where Ephesus came from. That's where Ephesus came from, right there. Paul planted the church right there. But what about Laodicea? What about Philadelphia? What about Smyrna? 
Well, they're all in Turkey. They all came out of this church. He said, church history will tell you they were planted out of this church. So these 12 disciples who were just radical, knowing Paul, there would have been women amongst them, not just men, would have been taught and they just had this love about them. We've got to do something. And they started planting churches. We know Colossae, the, the letter to the Colossians, Paul regards as one of his churches. He'd never been there. He says that, even though I've never seen you. Who went there? One of his disciples who captured this love and went there and planted a church. Yeah. We just read and think, oh yeah, that's nice, that's nice. No, 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 what was lost? This love, what was it? Remember Jesus says, return to your works. Return to them. This is how you get your love back. The love is in the works. Return to your works that you used to do. What was their works? We've got to go into the frontiers. We've got to send into the frontiers. Yeah. We've got to do whatever it takes. Mm. That's the love. Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. Strong Nation Church, will you come out of the corner? Will you begin to lead? Remember, that's what the words the Lord spoke over this year. Will my church lead? Well, you don't lead from the corner. You lead in the middle of the ring. Change of metaphor, you don't lead from the middle of the pack in a race, you lead from out in front. How do you get out in front? Love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, love God. But I, I found this, the more I love God, it's easy to love my neighbor. It's when I don't love my neighbor, I'm probably not putting God where he needs to be in my life. Do you have it? Here's a test. This is a test my pastor many years gave me. He says, Rick, does it bug you that your neighbor is going to hell? If not, why not? Does it bug you that that person who walked past you having Christ in you, who they don't have Christ, that they could just walk past you? Does that bug you? Does it bug you that someone may hear your voice when you're preaching the word of God and not find the love of God? Does it bug you? Because if it doesn't, it should. So I'm gonna pass that on to my church. Does it bug you? Knowing that someone nearby, whether you love them or not, that they're going to hell without Christ, not understanding his forgiveness or his love? Wow. Church, will you lead? Church, will you come out of the corner? In a few weeks' time, I think it's the 25th of September, we're going to be doing a thing called Hope Initiative. We've done it once before, but it was sort of raining and muddy and up in South Windsor there. The 25th of September is a Sunday. And during church time, we're gonna close the building we're not gonna have the band here and it's not gonna be anyone preaching. We're all gonna go down to Hope City. Some people call it Dodge City. I don't really feel comfortable calling it Dodge City. It's just out here on the peninsula and they got flooded. A lot of them did. 35 out of the 85 houses got flooded. They're really nice people. Yeah, there's some issues out there. Some people have some stuff going on, but they're lovely people. And I thought it'd be really good for us to go, there's a park right in the middle and we're 
actively seeking permission to do this. If not, forgiveness is just as important. Yeah. Anyway. We want to go into the park. We want to put on a festival at our expense. And all I want to do is just bring hope. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask every one of you, and even online, if, if you're able to, would you come? And all I'm going to ask you is just to look and allow your heart to fall in love with people that God loves most. Well, loves most is probably not accurate. He misses them more than he misses us. Luke 15 will teach you that. Those whom God misses most. Would you, would you come and just see? And I'm not asking you to preach the gospel. I'm not asking you to be a witness or anything like that. All I'm asking you to do is just be there and just look and love them. Maybe there's something you can do to love them by just greeting someone and say, hey, how are you? How'd you go in the floods? Because you remember, we flooded too. So we're not talking about a, a different community. We're talking about our community. We're in the boat. Bad metaphor. We're in it too. And God has planted this church right here, what, 40 years ago, last month. Why did he do it here? Maybe, maybe. He just wants us to love him. He just wants us to go down there and say, here we are, how are you? And listen to the stories or maybe, or just do something. Shout them a free sausage, because they're all free anyway. That's what I'm gonna ask you to do, would you do it? I think it'll be great. In fact, I'd love to do this regularly because we're a church without walls, right? My goal as pastor is not to see how many people can fit in this room. My goal is how many I can get out of it to fulfill God's will in your life. That's my goal. I'm gonna ask you to do that. Amen? We're gonna be taking up our offering soon, but I wanna let you know about something as well. We've budgeted for what we can do in Cambodia, but also with our chaplaincy here and um, also with Deb Neal in Phnom Penh in Cambodia with Mother's Heart. We've, we've budgeted a whole bunch of things, what we do through Strong Nation Community Service and everything. But um, while I was in Cambodia, they brought up a couple of things which is needed but it's not in our budget. We need um, around about $15,000 to buy a truck. Why? Because Udon thinks he can get about 50 people in the back of that truck. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm illegal saying that because I just found out this week that J-Row, that Muslim village, where we're hoping to plant a church next few weeks, have basically said they can't come there to do that work, what they're doing, the outreach anymore. Is that, this is fresh news. And um, Utom said, that's fine, we just need a truck. So I'd like $15,000 extra so we can say, go buy the truck, off you go. And um, there's also a situation, we would have seen on the video there, the Sunday afternoon church. Do you notice how the kids were all hanging out the back of the church because they can't actually get in the church, it's too full? What a good problem, right? Well, we were lucky that day because it was temperate weather and it wasn't raining. It's wet season, but it wasn't raining. If it was pouring rain, we couldn't have done that. It was hot weather, which it normally is. We couldn't do that. We need to extend that building. And um, just beside there, there's a whole bunch of girls' dorms where a lot of girls who are getting educated their, they, their homes and their villages and their parents, they're in contact with them regularly, but they're in a place where they would only get, usually get maybe one day a week education. But because they're boarding at this venue, they're able to get six day a week education. And it's so cool. Seeing them winning prizes and their uniforms and, right? Utdom and Minset have funded this for years. 
out of their own pocket. We've come along and we're saying, we're gonna help you do that. And, um, but we need to relocate those dorms so we can extend the church into that area. Boys do, the boys' dorms, it's right down the back amongst the chickens. And it's crazy. <laughs> boys seem to like it. But anyway, we can buy these portable dorms which we can take with us anywhere. We need three of them and it'll cost us $15,000. Sorry, the bus will cost us 20,000. These will cost us 15,000. And um, they can get them tomorrow if we had the money. Set them up, the girls would live in these stylish little cabins and we'll bring them up to the front of the property and, um, and then we can extend into the church building and make it bigger. That's what we wanna do. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking when you go to a fishing pond and you're catching lots of fish, um, you do whatever you can to make that fishing pond your regular spot and you just keep going there, right? Well, we're seeing incredible catching fishes of men right now in that place and I wanna do whatever we can to keep the fish coming to that spot. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And um, I'm talking to Diamond next year and Ben and, and uh, Minset and we're looking at producing a Bible college there next year. And uh, we're believing in, in faith that next year we'll be able to start a Bible college. Why? Because we wanna do what they did at Ephesus. Train up a whole bunch of men and women to go Amen. and to go and love their country because we're gonna see a generation changed. Amen? So if you're a business person here and you've got an extra $20,000, will you just let me know about that? Because <laughs> it's not budgeted for, it's just what we need now. And um, I would love to actually be able to say, you don't go and do it, go and do it now. Both the truck and the, the dorms is what I'd love to purchase. Okay, so that's $35,000 we're believing for above our budget, is that cool? And if we can do that church, happy days. Mind you, Udon will find something else. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because when you love people, yeah. you find the need all the time. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Anyway, I've gone a bit longer than what I wish to amuse us. If you'd like to come up, that'd be great. We're gonna take up our Frontiers offering. And remember this, my, my whole purpose for this message is this, love people. It's not about give. Remember it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, even if you give to the poor, not yet, not yet, we wanna pray. Don't hand them out yet. Don't hand them out yet. We wanna pray. Even if you give to the poor, yet have no love, it's not really worth it. That's what it says. And we're gonna play um, the blessing. Something you'll know about the blessing. It's a, something that is spoken over someone else. Yeah, I know it's been a real healing song for the world over the last two years, it's been incredible. But it's really for something for you to declare over someone else. That's what it's there. It's called the priest's blessing to be blessed and then to bless others with. That's what it's called. So I'm gonna ask, we're gonna sing this and I want you to start thinking about a frontier which needs the love of Jesus right now. Maybe it's the chaplaincy going on in our schools. Um, it's, it's the greatest field ever. If you wanna love people, just go and sit, don't, don't sit outside of school, that's not a good thing. <laughs> They're our generations, you know. They're our generations. And um, I love them. Tomorrow I'm in Windsor High School. I love Windsor High School. I'll go around my cheese toasties, handing out cheese toasties. And more and more kids are picking up my cheese toasties, but it's not about the cheese toasties. There's someone, I'm just, I'm just feeling the love. I'm gathering the love of a generation in my head and my heart. It's actually ministry for me. 
because I'm believing what God's asked us to do is gonna change a generation. But maybe your frontier might be your street. Maybe your frontier, you really wanna get in behind this Cambodia thing and you're praying on going next year and you know, you're gonna save for that. Well, why don't you right now as we sing this song, start singing this song over your frontier. Declare it over them. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Why don't you declare it over your friends who aren't Christian right now? But what I ask you more than anything, church, would you please love them? Love them. Whatever that looks like, love them. Amen. Anyway, let's pray for this offering. We're gonna take about, we've got the details on the screen if you wanna give that way. Most people do. Father, I wanna thank you that we live in a nation that is blessed, incredibly rich. And Father, I ask right now, Lord, that you would just show us our frontiers. And Lord, that you would give us love like never before to give to others. Lord, more than finances, I pray that people would give love today. But Lord God, as we do sow our finances, I pray it would multiply the use. And Lord God, that you would bless everyone who gives. That everyone who gives, Lord God, would see their seeds sown into the nations, locally and globally. Lord, we love you and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand as we take up this offering. And um, let's sing this song.